<laughs> I know. I know. Welcome back. I am Coach DJ, and today I have another Eminem coach with me, Dan Mitchell. What's Excuse up? You guys say hi. <laughs> <laughs> so we we talk a lot off camera on different topics. This is something that we've been wanting to film on for a long period of time now. Um, basically, we have lifestyle clients as well. You know, many coaches have lifestyle clients that start making progress and they are ready to make that jump into competition. They start talking about prep, they start following the bodybuilding pages and it piques their interest. So today we're going to talk about basic things to check off, things to analyze, to see if you are ready to transition from being a lifestyle client and a fitness enthusiast to a competition client. Dan, do you want to kick off with uh, our first topic, which would be muscular foundation? Yeah, I think... I think anytime you have lifestyle clients looking to compete or get into the competition realm of their fitness journeys, I think the biggest thing is, is having a good understanding of what all that entails. Um, and obviously we'll dive into a lot of this later, but it's more than just, you know, getting a couple stage shots back from NPC or whatever organization you do. Um, and I think one of the biggest things to understand is, you know, having a good having a good idea of where you are structurally um do you have i mean genetics play a big role of it but do you have the good genetics do you have the structure to be able to compete um and i think a lot of it comes down to you know are we being completely honest with ourselves as to where we are in our aesthetic in our physique to be able to bring something you know competitive to a stage um so I think starting off, I think I think the first topic to start off would be is assessing where you're currently at. Um, it's it's super easy to have mom and dad and have a couple of the gym people and your friends telling you how good you look. Um, but I made a post about this the other day. Even you know that doesn't mean you're 16 weeks out from stepping on a stage and being competitive, especially in the NPC. Um, so I think the that's the sentence you said was you're not accidentally 16 weeks out from a show. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's a good spot to start is, is, is being able to do kind of a, and I know we offer it, but being able to do a true uh, physique assessment as to where you're at, because that'll lead into what division you want to do. You know, like you see it all the time. You see guys, I see it on the guys side a lot. They like bodybuilding. They like the, like the bodybuilding division of bodybuilding. Um, mm -hmm. but they just don't have the muscular density, the genetics, the structure to compete in bodybuilding. So being able to find the right division, I would say is probably the most important aspect of starting off your competitive journey. I think the physique assessment is a really good place to start. And, you know, that's something that we offer. A lot of coaches offer just that service to begin with, um, especially if you might not have a really accurate view of where you stand in terms of development. And this is something I see in both men and women, particularly with male clients. We see that they have a decent amount of size. They've built a little bit of muscle. They've got some visible abs and they think they're far leaner than what they are. And while this isn't harmful in any capacity, speaking from like a lifestyle perspective, what it actually takes to get stage lean when you get, you know, sub 10% body fat, sub 8% body fat, 
they lose a lot of size. And I think a lot of men confuse fatty tissue with muscle. And it can be sometimes even demoralizing to be told you have to enter an off season. You don't have enough muscle and the same things with women because your friends and family are going to tell you, you look incredible. You look great. Why are you not on stage? And bodybuilding is super mainstream right now. Everybody's a bodybuilder. If you wear slides to the gym and dark sport, you're automatically a bodybuilder, but that's really not, that's not how it is. And you do have to put in a lot of time and framework. And because you've been in a you know calorie deficit for an extended period of time and you've lost 15 pounds and you don't accidentally find yourself ready for stage or ready for prep. There's a lot that goes into that. And the foundation, if it's not there, you will wither away in a prep, whether you're enhanced or you're completely natural, you're not going to be able to retain that tissue very well. Mm. And genetics really play hard. a huge role. It's really hard. And it's really hard to be subjective with yourself. Um, I've tried coaching myself. Um, I could never coach myself. I don't know if you could. Well, you have actually. But coach yourself through a show because it is really hard to be subjective with yourself. You're always either going to be too small or you're going to overshoot where you actually, where your physique actually is at. Um, you're either going to be, especially once you get really lean and you start getting super lean, you start getting to that point where, you know, you you are ready to step on stage. The subjectivity of being honest with yourself at where your current physique is, is, is very tough. How long, when you have a lifestyle client, and I know you have had lifestyle clients that have stepped on stage and taken overalls, I want to add, um, what does that off-season time period typically look like? Like, how long are you seeing that transformation or that readiness phase? Because we also have to look at, you know, things like BMR outside of just muscle development, your, your food intake, where you are with calories, cardio, because obviously you can't go from a point where you're using 45 minutes of cardio to maintain your current body composition while in a deficit. Got to build that up. What does that timeline typically look like for you? It's hard to say. I mean, it depends on the person because you have, there's a lot of variables that go with it. If someone comes to me with, Hey, you know, I want to do this the right way. I want to get into a position where I can compete. You tell me when I'm ready. I don't have a date. Then we control everything. Um, we control, you know, the path that we're going to take to get them on stage, which for me, usually nine times out of 10 is going to be a full body recomp. Um, we'll go into a little bit of a prep phase, um, not getting as lean as you would to get on stage. Then you return back to maintenance. Then you do an off season. Um, so from beginning to end, I would probably say at the minimum nine, 10 months at the very minimum to be ready. Um, but then it's even longer if you have somebody who's a lifestyle client, lifestyle client, then decides, you know, hey, I, I want to do a show. Well, everything we've done up from your lifestyle phase till now, we, we have no idea that you wanted to compete. So now we got to kind of change you know, how we go about nutrition, training, everything like that, especially if they come and say, you know, hey, lifestyle client, hey, I want to, you know, I want to compete in figure. Well, <laughs> we have a lot of work to do to compete in figure. We got to train, we got to eat like a figure athlete. We got to train like a figure athlete. So then, I mean, realistically, if you want to bring a true competitive package to stage as a lifestyle client, Generally speaking, I would say at, at least a year and a half to two years before you're able to develop that kind of physique to 
to be competitive. I think that's a huge thing that is frequently overlooked as well as the actual time that you need to spend in an office. And obviously the division is going to play a huge role, like, you know, stepping on stage as a bodybuilder or classic physique, or even, you know, figure it's going to be drastically different than, you know, entry level and PC bikini. Uh, the amount of tissue accrual will be different, especially when we are analyzing if compounds are being utilized in picking federations, people really doubt the amount of muscle or I guess they overestimate the amount of muscle that they have. And then you have situations where you have someone with extensive muscle development because they are seasoned lifters. They've got the dietary adherence down. They, they don't mind the precision that goes into the dieting methods because uh, we maybe weren't taking a lifestyle approach with that. That wasn't super sustainable, um, but they don't have muscle in the right places. Now this can be, this falls under the term of, I guess, genetics in some ways. Um, where they tend to develop easily. But when you bodybuild, you're really not building a physique for your preferences at that point. It's going to be based on judging standards. So I've had very muscular females that were really into CrossFit and wanted to begin bikini. But we have very thick, overly developed obliques, very wide waist, very developed traps. Um, those are not things that are going to be appropriate for the division. So in some ways we're having to bring down areas, let muscle atrophy and bring up other areas. And same thing with men. You know, a lot of men are interested in, I call them the panty categories, but we look at classic physique and actual bodybuilding. A lot of men have such poor lower body development. We're not looking at a nine month off season. We're looking years and to be competitive in the NPC, that's years with compound usage as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's things that might not be achievable naturally. So again, we have to look at, at federation and where the muscle is put on because just because you're muscular doesn't mean you're muscular in the correct places or that it's going to create the appropriate aesthetic for the division. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially, I mean, the, the panty division it's classic and, uh, and bodybuilding. I mean, every division has its, I would say frustrations, but it is kind of frustrating when, you know, and I get it. You see guys that want to do classic physique or, or bodybuilding, but they just don't have, they might have big quads, but from the posterior, they, they have no development, probably classic. Um, a doctor should be, be touching. There's no, there's no gap in between the leg. Um, and you got to really take a look at and understand, because I think coming from lifestyle to wanting to do the, the competitive route, a lot of these people, they, they don't understand what the division they want is looking for. Um, I mean, you see it on Instagram all the time. Girls that want to do bikini, you know, doing back double bicep poses in the mirror, but they really don't have a true understanding of, of, of what the division's looking for. They know that they get on stage, they get to get all dolled up and it's easy to fall into that. But if you want yeah, to be profile picture, yeah, new profile picture, NPC news in the corner, <laughs> But if you want to be competitive, you really have to have that understanding of, you know, what is what are the judges going to be looking for? Um, and if you're really serious about it, take a look at some of the bigger shows and look at the girls or guys who have won won those shows. Your class won won the overall, and get a good idea of where you need to be at to be able to step on stage and to to be able to be competitive. And I think even before that is is ask yourself you know, do I want to be competitive or is this just a bucket list thing? Because if it's just a bucket list thing, then yeah, 
diet down, go through the prep, see what it's like, see if you want to do it seriously as you move forward. Um, but at the end of the day, if you want to be competitive, you want to take medals, you want to take trophies, you got to have an understanding of, of what the division's looking for. You know, part of looking at that foundation outside of just muscular development, I think the second topic we were going to talk on was adherence. Adherence is a huge thing. And it's something that a lot of coaches aren't necessarily going to say out loud because it puts a bad taste in your mouth in terms of like viewing the bodybuilding industry. But competing is not healthy. It's not a health and wellness competition at that point. You are trying to get your body as close to dying as possible. You are going very low in body fat while holding all of your muscle tissue and still training as if you were on a very high calorie diet. These are things that our bodies are not intended to do. That's why we have negative metabolic adaptations and we have these hormonal shifts in these dieting phases. And adherence is where I tend to see the biggest issue in transitioning from lifestyle approaches to bodybuilding approaches. And you'll have a lot of coaches that say, it'll be enjoyable, you'll love it. And yeah, I feel like the beginning stages of prep, if you have that foundation and if you have that good off season, the beginning phases of prep are easy. They really shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that crazy. But when you start getting lean, it's not pleasant. And having visible abs is different than being stage lean. Having thick skin, thin skin is not a pleasant feeling. Physically, mm -hmm. it's cool. But to get to that point, it's not fun. And it's not that we try and, you know, gatekeep as a bodybuilding community and say, well, you have to eat these boring foods. But at that point, it comes about precision. You're just eliminating variables. There's a reason why we take strict dietary approaches. And it's not because we're trying to be mean or unpleasant, but we need to remove variables from the equation. Yeah, I think, uh, and, and it is tough. And I don't think a lot of lifestyle clients who've never competed really understand the structure and the necessity, the necessity to, you know, be able to be 100% on plan. Um, I'll have people or I've known people who, you know, they want to compete. They, they want to step on stage. They want to do the whole thing. But after working for, you know, a very long time with this person or these people, every week it's something different that comes up. And when you're in a prep or you're, you know, building for a show that there's no way those things can, can happen. Um, because that's going to be a difference of, you know, hitting the mark on a date that you may have picked out for a show or missing it by two weeks. Um, especially as you get closer and closer to the show. Um, so I think the first thing, at least from the lifestyle perspective that, that you really need to take a look at is have I been able to stay on top of plan 100% up until now? Um, whether it's been three months with a coach, six months, Lifestyle, here and there, obviously, when we coach lifestyle people, we, we don't expect perfection. Um, I just, per I expect consistency and communication. If we're consistent, we're, we're doing what we need to be doing. Um, with competitors, it's a little bit different. We, we need that perfection. We need to be 100% on um, and communicate if we're not. And I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the struggle is, lifestyle to competition is truly being 100% because you can tell your coach you're 100%. They may or may not know week to week, um, but they'll figure it out pretty quick when you 
when you get into dieting down, they'll figure out really quick how you've been able to adhere to your diet. I think it's, I think the length of time that you're able to be adherent plays a really big role because I think anybody can get with a coach and get excited and get those newbie gains, get those quick results and say, yeah, of course, I'm going to follow this to a T, but doing something for 30 to 60 days versus an extended period of time where you're able to follow a highly structured plan is very different. And I am like the shining example of like idiot lifestyle client that just dumped into a show. I am that person. So I'm very confident speaking on this because I had extreme dietary adherence because I hadn't been following a highly structured protocol for an extended period of time. So I was still in that newbie phase. Now, that being said, I was very adherent. I was able to get very, very conditioned. I was very pleased with the conditioning package I brought, but I had no muscle. I had none. I had no foundation. It was one of those things where friends and family said, hey, DJ, like you look so great you should get on stage, not actually knowing anything about the industry. Um, and I'm humiliated with what I brought. Looking back, I'm absolutely humiliated with what I brought. Even though the conditioning was there, I didn't have that foundation. And then the adherence during my reverse was really difficult because I didn't actually have that time span where I had followed a really structured plan. Like it was a very poor decision, but in hindsight, where I am now, that's why I like to do these assessments and help people make that transition. Cause what we're talking about can also seem really negative. Like we're trying to push people away from competing, but we just want to make sure that people are not necessarily making the same mistakes that I did. I was so eager to step on stage. I didn't care because in my eyes, you couldn't tell me nothing. I looked amazing. Looking back, I looked sickly. I did not have enough tissue to even go near a bodybuilding venue. You did well that show though, didn't you? I did. I think and that was more conditioning than anything. And that's, that's another thing we see is people will compare themselves to shows where maybe there aren't a lot of competitive athletes and mm -hmm. think that they are stage ready. And that's what you had touched on earlier, the importance of looking at bigger shows, these nationals and what's taking home pro cards, who's winning and overall. And I only did well that specific show because of my conditioning. I did not have, now I had a nice, nice little frame, like, but I had no tie-ins and I was in bikini. I literally didn't have enough glutes. Like I turned to the side and it was just flat, <laughs> tiny little waist. I had like a 21 inch waist. I had veins like running up my chest. Like the conditioning was there. And at the time that was when NPC was really rewarding conditioning over everything else in bikini. Um, and obviously we've kind of reversed that. We've seen that trend reverse, especially this year, but it was not a good package. I'm not proud of what I brought because I rushed on stage. And I so. think one, I think one thing that is important is important to note about all that um, is being able to trust your coach in terms of from when you decide you're going to compete all the way down to show day. Um, there's going to be, <clears throat> I know you've had them with, with your clients and I've had them with mine. There's going to be a lot of hard conversations um, it doesn't mean that we think you're fat or we don't think you can do this, but there are a lot of tough conversations that come up from the course of, you know, when we speak in prep and when we, and when we finish. Um, so being able to bring some tough conversations to the table and being able to handle them, um, and trusting your coach with, with what they're saying is a big part of it. Um, if you can't trust the person you hired to coach you into a show, 
I mean, even if it's me, I would say find a different coach because it's going to set the, it's going to pave the way through the reverse and into your off season. And if you do not have a good reverse, it is going to be, I almost want to say catastrophic. Um, it is catastrophic. It is. We've, we've seen it with our own eyes. And I don't know if you saw coach Colton, um, did actually like an interview piece not too long ago with Kurt Havens and they were speaking about being selective with your clients and how it's a two-way thing. Clients, you have to select a coach that you do trust because your brain's not going to operate when you're deep in brain. Body dysmorphia is out of control. You're, you've got brain fog. Like it's, it's just part of it. You have to trust your coach fully and not let your emotions get in the way. And then coaches, we also have to be careful with our clients because if your client doesn't trust you, or your clients consistently off track and not being honest with you or communicating. I, I dropped two people this year. I dropped two competitors and it was mid prep and it was a really hard decision, but this kind of goes into the, the next topic, which is mental health and stress. Like prep does really strange things to you. And it's hard to describe until you've endured it and you've actually been through it. But if you don't trust your coach and you can't communicate with your coach, it will be catastrophic and it's going to basically create a really horrible environment. You, it will forever leave a bad taste with competition in your mouth. If you're with a coach that you don't trust or you dislike, and you most likely will not have an appropriate exit strategy out of that show, which is not only going to be detrimental to your mental health, but your physical health as well. I've seen people go up 40 pounds, two days post-show. Sounds like me post-wedding. <laughs> that was both of us <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it, it is important that the mental health aspect is very important um addressing any kind of mental health issues before you even start a prep um it does prep does do a lot of things to you but my biggest concern with mental health is after the show um i mean how many times have we seen it people binge eat right after the show, put on a ton of weight. They don't look like how they look. They're watery. They're inflamed. They have no lines, no separations, no striations anymore. Then to combat that, they stop eating and do ridiculous amounts of cardio. And they just repeat the cycle over and over again. And if you, if you do not have your mental health in check, uh, it's a very scary thing to be walking into I would say as an athlete, obviously, but also as a coach, when you know in the back of your head, you know, hey, this person's not might not reverse properly, and you can already see the the writing on the wall. So, addressing mental health before you even start, kind of going through prep and going through all the different phases to get to stage, um, that's something that that obviously should be one hundred percent addressed. This is where honesty on the client is very important because of course we can make assessments working with someone through an off season. We'll, we'll be able to pick up on things, but you do have to clearly communicate with your coach. And this is, you know, there's so many different aspects of the mental health uh, components when, when analyzing whether someone's ready to go through a prep, but a big part of it. And I always tell people, this is like, if you want to bodybuild, you have, you have body dysmorphia. You either think that you look way better than what you do and you are ready to hit stage and you think you have an elite physique and you absolutely do not, or you really dislike yourself and you are constantly striving to improve and you are 
basically never satisfied with your appearance. If you want to compete, there's some, there's an underlying issue. Like you're not only getting a healthy person says like, I would love to get like half naked, get on a stage and let people tell me how bad my body is and rate me against other humans. Like that's not a normal thing. You will be dysmorphic in some capacity, but then we, it's kind of, that's where our job comes in to analyze. Does this person at least have good control over it? Can they appreciate themselves at different phases within the journey? Because you will never look better than you do on stage. And then it's hard to come out of that and intentionally put on healthy amounts of body fat. And then even after you win a show, even after you win an overall to go back to that coach and say, okay, well, yeah, you won, but that's because you were against this lineup and this is what you need to improve upon that. It's a never ending journey and the mental health repercussions of that can be really bad. Yes, it can be. What do you think? So if you have a lifestyle client who says, Hey, I'm going to, I want to, I want to compete. This is the division I want to do. What are some things that you would say these people should do? And I know this is division dependent and we don't have to go through every single division of bodybuilding, but what are some things that, that you would say these, these people should be looking at to say, you know, Hey, I am ready or I do have the potential, um, to get on stage. I think the biggest Adherence, the first thing I do is start eliminating uh, or, or dialing in that meal plan to reflect what we would be going through, especially deeper and deeper phases of prep. We dial in with adherence, make sure that's something that they they can do. And at that point, I start demanding more communication, like what we're going to see in prep. I have a lot of clients that will not send me form check videos. And you don't get changes in workouts or adjustments unless I have eyes on that. If you can't send form check videos, like I'm not going to put you, I'm not going to put you on on stage. Um, and we do have to typically get to a leaner composition. I have a lot of people that think they have muscle that they don't. And wellness is like the perfect example of this. We go through this over and over and over. I want to do wellness. I want to, well, you're not body dominant. If you seen the women at the Olympia, you're not lower body dominant. You don't have a lot of lower body muscle. You carry all of your adipose tissue through your Mm -hmm. thighs. Having copious amounts of cellulite does not make you wellness, the inability or your perceived inability to get conditioned does not make you wellness. Wellness is not an unconditioned bikini category. And I think that there's a lot of confusion as to what the division requirements are. And if you're, if you're squatting less than me at five, eight, and I'm four eleven and a hundred pounds, you're not wellness. You mm-hmm. just aren't. You really have to start digging deep. And that's where those uncomfortable conversations have to come up. And I'm not saying someone with you know a little bit less development or adipose tissue on their lower body can't do wellness but you've got to be prepared for a prolonged off season and when you really get conditioned it's it's gonna there's nothing you can hide at that point putting on a pair of scrunch butt leggings doesn't mean you have glutes over editing your photos doesn't mean you're actually lean popping up your shoulders like this in every picture doesn't mean they're capped you have to have those hard conversations and that's when you start having, you have to do regular physique assessments and be brutally honest, essentially. And that right there, it can really determine someone's mental health because they might not be receptive to that information. See, I feel bad. Poor wellness became the scapegoat of uh, uh, people, the category where people feel like they can jump in the easiest. Um, it's also the division where 
it's different. Wellness is a lot different from the other bodybuilding divisions when you're talking about, you know, symmetry. It's actually the opposite of that. And a lot of people, you see a lot of girls will come in and talk about how they're, they have a wellness physique, their wellness, their lower body dominant. And I mean, to, to a large degree. Yeah, exactly. And they, and to a large degree, people aren't born in a wellness body. It takes a lot of work, especially on the legs to have a fully developed, you know, quads, glutes, outer quad, hamstring. People aren't just walking around accidentally wellness. It takes a lot of work and wellness. That's like my new favorite. That's like my new accidentally. But it's it it is. It has become that division. And what happens a lot of times is and, and I've seen it a couple times already, um, is we go through a recomp, we go through a little mock prep phase as I call it. Um, and they, and, and they're exposed and that's the worst feeling in the world is when you think you're, you think you're set somewhere. I mean, it happened to me with, with my back. I thought I had grown my back and then went through about a 16 week cut and I didn't put on as much tissue as I thought I had or, or that I wanted to. And you get exposed when you get lean. That's really all conditioning is, is exposing your weaknesses important to be able to take that feedback in and not let it crush you and you have to be able to turn that into a motivating mm -hmm. factor as well and like with wellness this goes back to picking the division and building a correct correct tissue so let's say you have someone and they've got like huge glutes monster butt they get accused of having you know the, the butt lift and stuff like just monster glutes BBL. even though it's an imbalanced division there still has to be balance within the lower mm -hmm. body so you can't have a huge butt and lack of quads you can't be like me and have just monster quads and a flat ass like it doesn't work that way you still have to have development you know in the right areas for that lower body and you don't most people unless you have been strategically building for the purpose of a division are not going to find themselves with the appropriate framework to suddenly go into a prep because prep yes if you do have anabolics in play you can technically grow into a show but the whole point of prep is to cruise in and you're just peeling body fat the work mm -hmm. has been done you just retain the tissue you've built and you're pulling body fat at that point and that's really the only goal yeah should we talk about a, cost? do what should we talk about cost yeah, oh, i don't think yeah. people, i don't think people realize how much from beginning to end how much a show costs so we actually have budget framework sheets for both males and females as well as ways to cut costs as a competitor and save money but people think when they show they think of the cost of coaching Maybe they factor that in, but they think of the cost of coaching and the price of the actual show, which would be entry fees and the NPC card, which I would like to add those prices increase every single year. But what is showing is thing? actually like 135 maybe. I only got one in two years. I think they were like one the prolonged off season is very important. Let us tell you. <laughs> But the financial aspect, and that's this, again, falls kind of under mental health and stress. If you can't afford it, then you can't afford it. And I, I've lost two, two clients due to financial stress and prep. And it wasn't something that I had to pull. It's just they, it wasn't feasible for them. People really drastically underestimate how much it's going to cost. And then it also makes us as coaches wonder like, okay, how was your off season really going if you can't afford the food and prep? Because all we're doing is reducing food volume. Yeah. Oh, it's so, so you, the food, I mean, it, 
I don't know why you have so many people preaching online that it's very inexpensive and affordable to eat healthy. I guess to eat healthy in the sense that you're eating unprocessed foods that are nutrient dense. Yeah, that's affordable. But with the protein requirements that we're going to have in a competition scenario, it's expensive and we're not just chugging powders at that point. So the food is one of the most expensive aspects and supplements, even if we don't have someone taking anabolics, which there's no cap on how expensive an enhanced athlete can get. If you can afford it, we'll probably like it. Mm-hmm. Finances are huge there. But that being aside, just supportive supplements as food is decreasing to keep you healthy and mitigate potential, you know, even just hormonal down regulations that you would experience naturally that are approved under WADA. The supplements get very pricey and prep. And then suit costs for women and your panties, your trunks as men, um, and things to go into stage day, like your tan, the hotel, and most coaches are going to have increased pricing brackets during competition prep, whether it's with us or someone else, there's typically added costs posing. Even if your coach includes it, you're probably going to want to invest in additional posing lessons in person. If you have online coaching, you're going to want to find a local posing coach. I mean, it ends up costing thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And those that are picking those, you know, that maybe wanted to be really lean during the summer, put a little bit more, more tissue and then try and shoot for like a winter show. That's going to happen during the holidays. Do you have a family, is your significant other on board with all of your expendable income going into a prep? And that's, I mean, that, that, I mean, on the money side of that, yes, but also that could lead into having a good support system around you. Um, you know, if you sign up for a show, you can't expect you know, your, your spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend, your friends to all jump on board and, and be as supportive as you envision that they should be. Um, because at the end of the day, none of them asked you to do this. You know what I mean? Your family didn't tell you to, to do a show. So you're obviously going to have outside pressures. Um, parents people get mad about that when they don't have outside support, but this again, this is mental health. When you complain about how hard things are, Mm -hmm. when things do get difficult and you have to pack your meal, when you go to someone's wedding, no one made you do this. Your coach is not holding a gun to your head. Your family's not saying (laughs) you started working out and you better get on stage. That's not how it works. And other people don't understand the importance of the adherence you will have probably a lot of negative feedback around you. So even if your spouse and your friends support your efforts, they're not going to like that you're not going and having lunchtime margaritas with them. They're not going to like that you're eating different food from them and the kids. And that's something you've got to be able to handle. And obviously it's important to have people that support you. And I've seen what happens when you have unsupportive significant others or parents are you know, really degrading the entire process, but they're not going to be a cheerleader, especially when it gets hard and you have to be able to handle that. Well, that's also why I think the, the body community, bodybuilding community is so tight knit, at least in Carolina, it was, I know in Texas it is, and, and pretty much everywhere you go, it's because we're all the outcasts from our families because we decided to compete. But uh, yes, to, to the mental health part, yes, that is 100% very important to understand that, um, you know, nobody, no one's holding a gun to your head telling you have to step on stage. 
Uh, and your family loves you. If you tell your family, like, I have hunger pains at night that keep me awake. And I remember laying awake with my stomach and I was like, am I just going to die? Is this, is this death? <laughs> you know? I remember those feelings. And like, your family loves you. And they're going to say like, eat, go mm -hmm. eat a burger. And they're not trying to ruin your journey. They don't understand the impact that that would have, but because they love you and support you, they want to feed you. Hi, hey. Don't go to grandma. Hamburgers. Uh, don't go to grandma. <laughs> and so you, you have to be able to understand that, you know, in some ways them supporting you might be detrimental to the process. We got a little bit off track of cost. I just, that made me think of that. <laughs> it's hard to stay on track in, in general. It is. It's expensive. That That's what it, it's expensive. And there's a lot of expenses that you don't, that you don't think of. And you know, when you're a lifestyle client and you run out of chicken and you sub it for something or, Hey, I'm out of sweet potato. I'll grab a bagel. Well, those are things that you're not, you're not allowed to do in prep, at least not under mm. me. I'm not cool with that. Um, and I've gotten more demanding out of, out of my clients with time, because ultimately when you are working with a coach, you are a direct representation of that coach. I have let someone go on stage before because they wanted to, and I did not feel they were ready and they demanded it. And I will forever regret that. It will haunt me forever. And at the time, you know, it's very new to competition coaching. I didn't have the pro athletes that I have now, and I just wanted to make them happy. I felt like I was disappointing them for their lack of adherence by not, by not letting them show. And that was, that comes down to trusting your coach. If your coach says, Hey, you're ready. And you have body dysmorphia. If you don't think you're ready, trust in your coach. If your coach says you are not ready, you need to wait for the love of God. Wait, just wait. You spent that much time and put that much effort into a prep. Listen to your coach. Mm -hmm. Why would you go through all of that only to bring a very, mediocre non-competitive package oh because you want to compete one weekend because your birthday is the next weekend and you got some all you want to do is eat a cake like you're yep. just not in it for the right reasons <laughs> another cost is each class you do is is another cost you got when you sign up for whatever your class is but if you sign up for like novice or true novice that's gonna add true up novice and open open yeah and as a first time competitor, you're probably going to do all three because true novice is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So of course you're mm -hmm. going to do that one. And that's cool because it's usually all heights. So you're against everyone. I always think that's a really fun mm -hmm. class. And you have so many different levels. I love true novice. Um, and then you have open. Why would you compete without doing open? Because that's the only class that actually right. matters. Yep. And then if you're going to be there anyways, your first show, you want more chance of medals and are novice. Mm -hmm. You haven't won anything. You qualify, like do it. So that's, what is that? I'm bad at math. What's like 135 times three? Uh, two seventy. <laughs> that's a lot of money just on entry fees, and that's assuming you're not doing crossover divisions too. We have a lot of clients who are like, "Hey, oh, I want to try both these. We'll tweak posing and we'll get judging feedback." That that could easily come close to a thousand dollars right there. Yeah, you do two divisions. Yeah, it adds up. How much would you say? How much would you say, or how much do you tell people to budget for a show? So we actually have a budgeting budgeting sheet and i think without including coaching and groceries and supplements i think roughly what does our sheet say like maybe like two i think it's two, two I think thousand it's i think yeah it was a pretty large and of course there's ways you can cut costs especially as a female in terms of like hair and makeup um Renting, and frankly we yeah. have 
we have found for a lot of shows, we like to look up the tanning companies ahead of time. And if it's not pro tan, we typically recommend doing the at home pro tan. I don't know. Do you remember the, the, the last show that I did where I was like wet and blotchy on stage? I think Garrett went on stage with a footprint on his back from me. (laughs) It was so, so tanning companies are very important. Um, watching football here today. We don't watch sports. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of cost in the hotel expenses too. You know, you think like, okay, I'm going to be there for one night. Well, no, you've got to do check-ins and you're going to be exhausted, especially if you're like a tall bikini competitor finishing at one in the morning. Yeah, that's two nights at a hotel as well. I've always felt bad for those, for those girls. There's a, I know Charlotte cup one year, it ended, it, it got delayed. And as a competitor, after you, after you compete, all you want to do is go out to eat somewhere. Well, bikini didn't get off till like two thirty in the morning, and like, where are you gonna go? Waffle House. The last it's big like... show we did in Texas, it was one of their December shows. Uh, the pro bikini, they were getting really upset with some of the delays, and the pro girls were pitching fits backstage, like threatening to leave. So they they interrupted the whole show to let the pro athletes go, but that pushed back everything. They were supposed to go after NPC. So our, our tallest NPC girl stepped on stage at midnight. That's tough. And we've been in that venue since 8 a.m. And that's tough as a coach to have that person ready by midnight. Because that's almost an extra added day of prep. And the women's physique, I felt so bad for them because they had actually started pumping and getting ready for state. And then they halted everything to run the pros. It was it messed up food timing. It was rough. People were falling flat. Like it was it was it was, it was a rough one because they they made that switch. But it's it's expensive. And it what's crazy is like because you do have unexpected issues like that that arise. You spend that kind of money on a show. Like you want to make sure you are ready with your coach a hundred percent, where they know your body. You've been adherent, so they can make those on the fly adjustments. Because all of a sudden it was like. We need to start giving water. We're doing six ounces with these yeah. carbs on this schedule because we're going to estimate an extra hour and 45 minutes. Like it, it was a lot of adjustments on the fly. Your dog's going crazy back there. Dude, he's so annoying. They're so all annoying when I record. It was a little <laughs> butt. Isn't that a cute dog butt? <laughs> that dog's so He's jacking uh. up all the buttons on my chair. But anyway, so this was... I would say it's like casual conversation and just some of the, the considerations because it is a huge consideration to it's go. Not easy. And it's, it's not fun. I, and as, as you know, we, I feel like it's hard to talk about this without putting it in a negative. Like we love seeing oh, yeah. people make the jump. Like we want to make new competitors. We want to grow the bodybuilding community. We love it, but we don't ever want to do it at the expense of someone's mental mm-hmm. and physical health. And sometimes that framework, you know, the excitement of making progress makes people think that they need to be competitive. It's okay to love fitness and change and sculpt your physique without stepping on stage. If it's going to harm you in any capacity, uh, it's probably something that you should table for the time being. Mental health, especially. Most important. And we do have a book coming out. Uh, Dan and I actually co-authored a book. uh, This is to help 
fitness enthusiasts make the decision and weigh the pros and cons on a on a very serious level on whether it would be a good idea to decide prepping for a competition or not would be a, a reasonable decision. Um, it can be utilized by coaches to mm -hmm. provide for their clients. We have a question and answer section in the back for coaches to utilize as an assessment, but it is a, a full book available by PDF that should be coming out in December. Or January, hopefully December. <laughs> We're gonna say December. We're gonna make it December. <laughs> but this, we've, we've poured a lot into this to help people make that decision uh, to go over the pros and the cons. Because when we do talk about it loosely like this, it can sound really, really negative. Like we're steering people away from it. We never want to do that. We want to grow the community. We just wanna make sure that people are taking healthier approaches and not compromising and sending themselves down a mental health spiral in that decision-making process. That's right. Anything you want to add? No, it's just <laughs> December or January for the book. December. At least, before, at least before competition season starts, well ahead of it. We'll have it, I'll have it rolled out for sure by the time they start doing the NPC seminars. And by the way, if you are a yeah. new competitor or you are interested in competing, actually, even if you're a seasoned competitor, go to those NPC seminars. It's oh, a great yeah. way to get involved with the community. You get free posing lessons from the best of the best. You get to meet all of the pro athletes. They never charge for these events. There's a lot of good information uh, for female athletes. There's always suit vendors there. Take advantage of the free NPC events. Even if you're just getting your toes wet, it's a wonderful experience. Yeah, it is. Especially being able to talk and I guess the word is mingle um, with our other competitors. There's a lot you can pick up and a lot you can learn from those things. Especially I will say our, our community is awesome. Yeah, it is. And especially from the pros. Um, they do it for free and, and they're always willing to help out, talk to you, um, words of encouragement, anything like that. So definitely take advantage of those. We'll be on the lookout. We will announce the book shortly. And now that we finally got configured, Dan and I will be doing this more, more often as we work out the glitches and weird things because I'm still kind of blue and look like a glow worm. Dance let, us know if, let us know if there's any topics you want us to go over. So many. This was a hard one to try and like keep concise. And we just kind of, we tried. It is hard. You can go in so many different directions with that. And I will post Dan's social media links down below. Um, he is a coach with M&M Training and Nutrition. He does take on lifestyle client, clients as well as competition prep clients, both male and female, and helps a lot of people transition to make that jump from lifestyle to competition in a healthy manner. Uh -huh. So coach thank you for joining point. me. Self-proclaimed coach of the year. I'm going to throw that in. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining me. All right. I'll see you.